Basement NBA show for Tuesday, October 10th. I'm BVA. Today we're going to talk about the craziest summer in recent memory. We're going to review some of tonight's games and we're going to talk to Uncle Pete and preview the Northwest Division. So let's get started and focus on our lead topic tonight, the craziest summer in recent memory. You know, coming into this summer, we knew that things were going to get a little off the rails. You know, the recent spike in the cap, a lot of people coming up for free agency. We expected it to be a little crazy. And it actually was not as crazy as it could have been. From a monetary accounting standpoint, the cap was actually less than expected. So some teams had to shuffle a little bit to figure a couple things out. But still led to a pretty nutso summer and really some important storylines as we head into the new season. And many people re-sign. That was sort of the most common thing. Steph Curry signs the max extension out in Golden State. Kyle Lowry in Toronto drew Holiday a big piece for what New Orleans hopes to do this year. Deion Waiters, uh, Miami bound, or excuse me, stays in Miami. Otto Porter actually signed a deal, a contract with the Nets, but because he's a restricted free agent, uh, Washington was able to match, and he's now back with the Wizards. Iguodala re-signs with the Warriors, and partially that was made... Uh, possible by Kevin Durant, who took a steep pay cut to stay in Golden State. Blake Griffin signs the max out the Clippers, Serge Ibaka back in Toronto, and Nene down in Houston. Many, many, many more guys decided to stay where they were. But there were some pretty crazy moves, and those moves really are going to affect what we're looking at for this season. One of the most pop, one of the most uh, noteworthy, I should say, Chris Paul traded to Houston for a pile of guys going to be teaming up with James Harden to lead the Rockets, hopefully, to a more competitive state with the Warriors. George Hill signs with the Kings. Kyrie Irving, the other big trade from a point guard standpoint, traded from Cleveland to Boston. And the way that he interacts with that new Boston Big Three, which we'll talk more about, is really going to be one of the heavy storylines. Jeff Teague. Veteran guard signs with the Timberwolves, joins what uh, Tibbs is trying to put together there, a nice mix of veteran leadership with some young guys. And D'Angelo Russell, a somewhat uh, you know haunted guy out in L.A., we'll say, uh, traded to the Nets as part of a trade for Brook Lopez. From a shooting guard standpoint, J.J. Redick, one of the best in the league, signs with the 76ers to be their veteran influence with the team that we're going to trust the process on. Catavius Caldwell-Pope signs with the Lakers. We mentioned the the Lakers and their trade to uh, get rid of Russell, but they've re-signed Pope, or signed Pope, I should say, partially as a means by which they can now next year offer two max contracts. They're hoping to lure some stars to L.A. again. Tim Hardaway Jr. signs a funny contract with the Knicks. More money than perhaps he's worth historically? We'll, we'll wait and see. I mean, they've got to spend the money on something, but uh, definitely unloaded the Brinks truck for him. And Nick Young, the guy who took the ill-fated video of D'Angelo Russell that led to a lot of his disdain amongst the Lakers community, also left uh, the Lakers and signed with the Warriors. Gordon Hayward, small forward, signs with the Celtics. He's going to be the third piece of that big three with Al Horford and Kyrie Irving. Rudy Gay, someone who spent his life playing in more of an isolation aspect of the game, signs with the Spurs. And one of the big things is going to be seeing how he works into their offense. The Thunder made two big moves for traditional threes, although one of them is probably not going to play for the three. Paul George in a trade from Indiana and Carmelo Anthony in a trade from New York. The way that those guys team up with Russell Westbrook is going to be a key thing to watch this season. And Boyan Bogdanovich, somebody who is one of the best players to come out of Europe, but has never really 
hit it high here in the U.S., had streaks but never really been great, re-signed with the Pacers after they gave up Paul George and are looking to sort of rebuild on the mend. From the four, Paul Millsap signs with the Nuggets. Paul was an all-star with the Hawks, but can he not only recreate what he did with Atlanta in Denver, but can he expand his game and be a little bit more of a leader there? Danilo Gallinari moves to the Clippers. He was a a, a fast-shooting Italian uh, who was able to bring a lot to the Nuggets, but now has moved over to the Clippers. Zach Randolph, the grit-and-grind Memphis uh, mascot almost, signs with the Kings. Taj Gibson moves up to Minnesota and joins those other uh, leaders and is reunited with Tibbs and Jimmy Butler. Patrick Patterson signs with the Thunder. Pat-Pat really replacing Taj with that team. That's a market upgrade that didn't get a lot of press because of the other big moves. And from the center position, Brooke Lopez, we mentioned before, signed, uh, or excuse me, traded as part of the D'Angelo Russell trade to the Lakers. And Kelly Olenek becomes just the latest in a string of Chicago to Miami moves. So what does this all mean? You know, that we're just scratching the surface in terms of listing them. But it means a couple of things that we can take away. One, we're likely in for a crazy season. You know, we've seen... A lot of teams, even some of the best teams in the league, the Cavs, the Celtics, look at retooling. And that's going to create a lot of different scenarios in which we're going to see teams that we maybe didn't think were so good being a little bit better. Teams that we thought were great not being so great simply because they're trying to get used to each other. But it points out that a lot of teams are chasing the Warriors, you know. They've created the dynasty. They're the team that everybody's looking up to. And you can see from a lot of these moves, teams gearing up. You know, when the team that has been in the finals now and played them three straight times now (laughs) is retooling on the fly to try to take them on again, that tells you something. And in the East, as LeBron ages, teams are gearing up to, you know, really go after him, take their chance against him. You know, it's not so long ago that teams, whether it was East or West, sort of stood back a little bit and said, look, we're going to have a run from the Warriors and Cavs. Let's maybe save some some money here, gear up for five years from now. But we're seeing teams really arm up to try to take them on. We also know that this is going to be a shortened preseason. The commissioners made some really smart moves, in my opinion, to try to reduce back-to-backs and, and reduce some of the issues that are associated with that, but that meant a shortened preseason. And with all these moves, that means we're likely still going to see teams gel for the next couple of weeks. So... It's going to be interesting additionally to see what the season brings in terms of transactions. Obviously, it's going to be crazy, but from a transaction standpoint, will teams want to immediately get away from their summer moves, you know, see some of them as mistakes and move away from them? Or will teams that were successful be ready to ante up and chase that title? Either way, looking forward to get back to real basketball. We've only got about nine days left. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back with highlights from tonight's preseason games. Welcome back. Let's take a look at some of the action on the court tonight. Uh, We're going to start with Memphis at Atlanta. And for many teams tonight, we're getting to the point where we're starting to see a dress rehearsal in terms of what their normal rotations, normal starting lineups are going to be. That was the case for the Hawks, for sure. One interesting note, Marco Bellinelli, uh, DNP, coach's decision, third straight game. He's not on the injury report. It's going to be interesting to see if he can crack and get minutes or if he's just going to ride the bench and be, uh, you know, uh, 11th, 12th guy on the rotation. For Memphis, potentially also their normal rotation, Connolly Harrison, James Enos, Jermichael Green, and Gasol. Ben McLemore's out. He's somebody who could make a difference on the line. 
Atlanta jumped out quick, built a 10-point lead by halftime. There's some signs that Atlanta might actually be okay this year. We had a reduction in sort of raw talent for them, but they might actually be okay. Schroeder had a really good night. 21 points, 5 rebounds, only 4 assists. Um, Malcolm Delaney, 15 points and 5 assists off the bench. Mike Muscala with 12 and 4 rebounds. For Memphis, James Enos with 14 points in 19 minutes. A really great night for him. Uh, Marcus Saul, 4 points, 13 rebounds. He had a bad shooting night. He was only 2 for 9 from the floor. But overall, you know, both teams look decent. Kind of what we expected out of both of them. Atlanta outlasts Memphis 99-88. to Philadelphia at Boston. This is a rematch of a game that we saw last week. And for this one, Celtics decided to rest all three of their big three, starting Smart, Rozier, uh, Aaron Baines, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. 76ers uh, again started Bayless in place of Fultz, which is something we talked about yesterday. Um, Fultz played 24 minutes, so this could be a sign that he is not going to be a starter. He's going to come off the bench to start the season. It's not been officially announced yet, but that's sort of where all the, the trade wins are pointing us. Celtics, you know, jumped out big in this game, and it was pretty much over quick. Uh, they continue to rely, as we mentioned yesterday, on super crisp passing. Looks very scripted, leads to open shots. When they get those open shots and they can hit them, especially three-pointers, they're going to win and in this game they really did that very well Tatum Smart Rozier all three hit their openers right off the top um you know it was no it was really just a I I don't know it it was a blowout from the beginning to be frank they ended up racing to a 37-20 lead after the first quarter one not so great thing Aaron Baines uh mentioned he started when the big three sat um he sprained his left knee played only eight minutes that's a big deal to them because they need some backup in the front court uh this might hurry Marcus Morris back who's also injured um Baines has had a really great camp and it was looking like he was going to be a a good piece for them off the bench but now that's starting to look a little, little scary uh, Celtics in the second, they ballooned their lead up to about 20. Really a dominant effort from Rozier. He had 15 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, and a block in the first half alone. Jason Tatum had a little bit of an injury scare. He went up for an alley-oop, undercut from his own player, landed out of bounds, but he was able to stay in the game. Get to halftime, it's already 59-39 Celtics. It pretty much blew, blew up from there, up to a 33-point lead at one point. Uh, Rozier finishes 5 of 8 from the field with 10 rebounds and 6 assists. Smart and Brown both had 12 each. Simi Ojeli, he was super impressive. He's a rookie, 16 points, 4 rebounds. He's somebody who's looking like he may be able to at least sit the bench for these guys. For Philly, Ben Simmons, 15 and 6 rebounds. Uh, Dara Saric, 9 and 7 rebounds. This was a blowout. Uh, even without their stars, the Celtics just totally took the Sixers to school. 113 to 96. Charlotte visiting Miami. And the Heat rest Goran Dragic for the second straight game. This is not super worrying. Uh, he's coming off Eurobasket where he played all the way through the finals. Um, so, you know, we still expect everything to move on. Not a big deal. Starters, we had Dion Waiters, Josh Richardson, McGruber, uh, Olenek, and it's on Whiteside. Uh, Charlotte found out recently they're missing, going to miss Batum for at least 8 to 12 weeks. There's rumors that it could be even longer than that. We're hoping he gets back sooner. Um, Heat started off hot here. This was a real streaky game. He hit 10 of their first 12 shots and were able to open that up to end the first quarter up 36-29. Second quarter, though, was up and down. Miami got up to an 11-point lead before surrendering all of that and more, ended up trailing as they went to the half by four. They gave up 33 points in the second quarter, the Heat did. Um, Made only one of 10 from behind the arc after they hit their first three, and that'll do it. That's how you you, uh, make a 15-point swing pretty, pretty quickly. 
Uh, back and forth third quarter, ended up with Charlotte up four. One of the big takeaways from this, through three quarters, Miami had 16 turnovers. They're going to have to limit those. They had 20 this game, which for a preseason game is not a ton, but you get the impression they're just not taking care of the ball. Um, they also need to figure out who their starters are going to be. Obviously, it's going to be Dragic, it's going to be Waiters, it's going to be Whiteside. But they've got this group now. Tyler Johnson had a really, really strong night at 18 points. Uh, tonight, he potentially makes the fifth dude who's going to be fighting for those other two spots, and it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out in the next eight or nine days. Josh Robertson from Richardson from Miami, also with 18 points for Charlotte. Malik Monk had a really strong night, 19 and four assists. Dwight Howard, solid 16 and six rebounds. The Heat defeat the Hornets 109 to 106. Houston visited New York in MSG and rested Chris Paul, but really not a problem at all. The Knicks rested Chris Stapps, uh, and they were just not good. Both those guys have really minor energies, injuries, I should say. Shouldn't be any big deal for either of them, but it really showed the depth of the team. Rockets jumped out, 19-point lead in the first half, um, but they actually allowed the Knicks to stay in it, partially because for the game, they committed 24 total turnovers. Their offense just got sloppy. What really kept them in it was the Rockets' defense, which is an amazing thing to say. You know, we talked a lot last year and coming into this year, it might just be a track meet to see how many points the Rockets can score, but they've actually really improved their defense. In particular, they put in a defensive unit with uh, P.J. Tucker and Bob Mute that was sort of key to shutting the Knicks down, and even when the Knicks went on a run to try to stay in it, those guys were able to shut the Knicks down at a point and reverse that, let them extend it just so that they could keep up, take that 19-point lead into halftime. Ultimately, the story of this game is just the Rockets' firepower. They were 22 of 46 from three, accounting for 66 points from behind the arc. Uh, Rockets played their regular season starters. Um, they played them pretty much regular season minutes, which is something, there was a little bit of a, a rift, if you will, from some of the media that maybe they were just trying to rub it in or something like that. It wasn't really that. It just, you know, everybody kind of said they were just trying to practice their rotation. Harden just misses a triple-double, 36 points, 11 assists, 9 rebounds, played 38 minutes minutes. Kunkapella, 19 points and 9 rebounds. Eric Gordon, uh, 18 points. For the Knicks, Hardaway really had a great night. He, he might actually be worth that, all that money that we've given him. Uh, 21 points. Michael Beasley had a really great night as well. 17 points, but left the arena in a sling. He said x-rays were negative for anything serious. It's just a strained uh, elbow, but or shoulder, should say, but still a little concerning for somebody like that. Damian Dotson was really kind of the star of this, weirdly enough. A rookie, played some good minutes, 17 points, 2 rebounds, 2 and assists. This could be his breakout first time we see him, as opposed to the person we thought we might get a breakout from, Ron Barker, who played for the first time and frankly missed a lot of shots. This Knicks team is going to be really rough this year. It's going to be interesting to see if they can pull it together, all the disparate pieces, get their young guys going, if Chris Stapps can sort of take the leap and they can be anything. But this game, never really that close, never really that entertaining. 117 to 95 was the total. Wasn't even that close. And Portland at Sacramento. Kings rested a big chunk of their roster, including Randolph, Kufus, Fox, George Hill, Bogdanovich, Vince Carter. Portland, on the other hand, looked like they really were going to make this a dress rehearsal, at least for the first big chunk of it. Um, one note about them, Myers Leonard, another DMP. Not sure what his place is going to be in the roster as we go into the season. Blazers jumped out midway through the first and really never let it go. Um, once they realized they had the lead and they were sort of rolling, they kind of took their foot off the pedal. Halftime, 54-43 Blazers. Reached a high point in the fourth. They were up 17 at one point. Neither team really shot especially well. This was just kind of a back-and-forth blah game, to be honest. 
Um, the Blazers really were in control the whole time. Nurkic, it's so great to have him back. 16.7 rebounds for him. Lillard with 14, 3 assists and 3 rebounds. CJ McCollum with 12. Evan Turner with 10. And Swanigan with 6 points and 12 rebounds in 22 minutes. He got some good PT tonight. For Sacramento, Jackson had 16. Collie Stein had 8 in uh, eight rebounds in 27 minutes. Me and the Blazers just kind of cruised, as I mentioned. It wasn't really up or down. It was just kind of take your foot, cruise control, let's make it happen. 97-83 with the win. And elsewhere in the league, Indiana falls to Detroit 97-107. Dallas beats Orlando at home 99-96. And Utah took the Suns 120-102. Take another break, and we'll be right back. Talk to Uncle Pete. Welcome back, everybody. Joining us now is my Uncle Pete. Uncle Pete, it's been far too long since we had a chance to talk on record about basketball. How you been? I've been uh, terrific. But yeah, and you're right. I've really missed it. I've missed the. I've missed our podcast. We haven't done a podcast in over a year. I miss talking about basketball. I've missed thinking about it, analyzing it. I missed the whole shoot match. I'm glad we're back, and I hope we get on the right track. Much agreed. Much agreed. I'm so happy plus, to have you. Plus, I'm really looking forward to this season. Sorry, it, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I've, it's this season has the potential to be one of the best after really what was a crazy off season in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, as, as a way of sort of starting off, we can talk about one of the biggest movers, um, which was the OKC thunder. You know, they, for the first time in, in memory spent some serious cash. They moved into the cap. They added Paul George, they added Carmelo. Obviously that's a big jump in terms of raw talent, especially in that starting five. But those are some, you know, big pieces who also come along with some big personalities, we'll say. Can they gel? Can they really be a, the top team that they need to be in the West? Oh, that That is the $64,000 question, as they used to say back in the 60s uh, or 50s, whenever the hell that show was on. I, I think... I think it's going to just boil down to their attitudes because they definitely have the ability... They have all the ability. They also have, uh, and the talent is there. So the only thing is holding them back is their attitude and the effort they put forth. Now, I think they're all professional enough and they're hungry enough. I think they could do it. They might go through some growing pains because Carmelo's got to play some basketball, some defense. That's going to be the key. If they can gel and, uh, Otherwise, they're pretty devastating. If they keep the ball moving, holy mackerel. I mean, they're absolutely devastating. I think Melo's going to have this year, if they play as a team in gel, he, he should he should probably get uh, close to 300, 300 uh, three-pointers, of which I predict a third will be totally uncontested. He'll be left all alone. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm curious to see where they position everybody too. You know, there's been all this discussion about him playing the four now, which, you know, against some teams will be great. Against other teams, I, you know, I don't know. Can he body with Kevin Love? Can he also body with Boogie? Like, you know, it's. I'm a little worried about that. While also, you know, he's going to drag those guys out. Obviously, historically, he's been, you know, a slasher, a scorer, a shooter. So I'm curious to see how they're able to not only 
divide up the possessions between Russ and Paul George and Carmelo, but also where literally they position the guys on the floor. I think they're all, they'll be all right, only because they're all hungry. They're all, it's not, they don't have too many seasons in them. You know, Paul George and Melo. And they're both chomping at the bit for that ring. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, and everything that comes with it. If nothing else, just respect to show Barkley, hey, <laughs> you don't have one of these <laughs> for no other reason. But, um, I, and, and also, I, I like I like Billy Donovan. He's, he's a good coach. He's not going to ride him too hard, pull the reins. Right. But I don't think he's going to let him run either. Now, I think, to me, personally, I think the key is, I think Paul George will play defense. Okay, the key is Mello here. Mello's got to play some defense. He can't, right. he can't play the Matador defense. Those days are guys just. He doesn't have to be a great defensive player. Right. He's got to put put forth a defensive effort. Right. Defensively, you know, the Thunder have have always been pretty strong. Um, you know, when you talk about one of their sort of notable traits, obviously last year. You talk about Russ, and then you talk about sort of the twin towers inside. And Cantor, the, easily the weaker of the two on defense, and you couldn't really play them both together. Now Cantor gone to New York as part of the Carmelo trade. Do you feel like Adams alone can still maintain that dominance inside, especially with Melo at the four? Or is this a, a real step back inside for them? Oh, Adams needs help. Let's put it that way. They yeah. need another big in there and... Preferably a passing big would be wonderful that could run. But Carmelo could serve that purpose. Listen, Mark, Carmelo's a good rebounder. He's And he's big. Carmelo's, you know, when you said, can he body up with Kevin Love? I think he put Kevin Love in the nickel seats and, and has every time they've played. Carmelo's a pretty big guy. Carmelo's 6'8". You forget how big he is. Right. He's 6'8", 250. My man just doesn't want to, it's like he does, he's defense. Doesn't like to play yeah. and doesn't want to put forth that effort on, on the defensive end of the ball. On the offense, you don't have to change a thing, man. He's beautiful. Yeah. You know, you mentioned their depth at center. Um, it, it's a little scary, really, their depth everywhere. I mean, they've given up as part of these trades quite a bit in terms of their depth. Is that, you have you know, concerns over that? Do you, do you think they can get by with sort of the star-studded first line and then a little bit less in the second? I have major concerns of that. Yeah. What happens What happens if uh, Russ Westbrook goes down? Right. I mean, even for two weeks, three weeks. I think the West is so competitive. Uh, uh, are any injury to any of them? I don't want to. Sure. You know, Paul George goes down for a couple of weeks. They're in trouble. It's going to impact. Yeah, the depth isn't there. And the other thing, the age, the uh, age factor. Mm-hmm. Now, they're not, you can't expect Mello to give you uh, 80 games a year. Okay? That's right. unrealistic. And he certainly will not be performing. I think George is almost there. Especially, we forget, we all forget what a severe injury he came off of. To me, it's, He's amazing just to come back from that type of injury. Yeah. Yeah, you make a good point. I mean, Westbrook, the, you know, 
the the distance I should say from Westbrook to like Ray Felton, the dis- difference uh, between Paul George and Kyle Singler, or Melo and Stephen Adams down to like you know Patrick Patterson, Jeremy Grant, Nick Collison. That that's a pretty sizable jump down. So not only on a day to day basis, if those guys aren't you know if they sit on the bench, but like if they're out for a game, out for two, that's a big hit. Um, you know, you the first preseason game we didn't have Russ because he was still recovering from his knee and and. Like you said, they look good, but not great. So I'm curious to see if that depth is really going to be an issue for them. Uh, don't forget, you had to rest these guys. Right. You know, Melo, Melo's not going to give. He's not going to be too effective if he's playing back to backs. In my opinion, anyway, he's just. Or, or, I'm not sure George can do it anymore either. You know, right. short term, yeah, but not, not a long term. Not not for the season. I'm saying the only the only real racehorse can do it and play all 82 games is Russell Westbrook. Right, right. But but a big load is going to be taken off him with these two guys on there. Yeah, a especially in load. terms of scoring. Yeah, and having to you know wear on his body and everything. Exactly. So let's slide over and talk about one of your favorite teams, uh, the Denver Nuggets. You know, uh, Nikola Jokic. He's become the new unicorn, you know. Kristaps uh, now doesn't really have the talent surrounding him in the same way. All of that attention has sort of moved over to Jokic in a lot of ways. If With him as a leader, realistically, what's the ceiling for this Nuggets team? I mean, most people picking them for the playoffs, but, you know, what are we talking about realistically? Realistically, I think they're going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They're going to make. But, you know, it's, wow. You know, I say that, and it's easy to say now. Until you look down at the sheet at the teams, and then I say, wait a minute, why well, like this guy and that guy? All of a sudden, the nuggets have slipped. Right. I, I think the West is going to be, I can't remember, even in the old days when, you know, they only had eight teams, it being this competitive. Yeah. Their big move over the summer, picking up Paul Millsap, you know, that obviously gives them another option, especially sort of at that swing position. Um to me, you know, he was an all-star in Atlanta, but he never really got his, you know, his what he deserved because of everybody else on that team and the way that that team was constructed. Can he be a, a star somewhere other than Atlanta? He doesn't have to be the star. He just has to contribute. That's the thing, the beauty of this uh, this team. Um, first of all, I like him. He's a good coach, but he's put together a nice ball club that complements itself. And they have lots of depth, and they're all young, but not real young. You know, you got, and then you got Jokic, who I think, uh, other than his behavior, if the unicorn's a good name for him, but uh, he, he's he's a fun-loving kid. He's having a great time. He feels no pressure, and uh, good sense of humor. Doesn't take himself serious, and uh, uh, and also doesn't care about the numbers. You know, whatever they are, what they are, and. Uh, he just seems like he's having a great time. Yeah. This this Nuggets team, they're going to have a log jam in the guard positions. You know, you got uh, Jamal Murray, you got Moutier, Jameer Nelson, you know, still playing. You got Gary Harris, Will Barton. How do you see that shaking out in terms of the, the backcourt? I love it all. I, th- I, think it's, <laughs> I think it's terrific. Best thing that happened, it gives them tons of depth. The other thing I think, and I think that's why they're a nightmare matchup for the, for the Warriors. Just play a, they'll play a three-guard or four-guard game. Hmm. And they can do it. They can do it. Uh, especially if Moutier's game. Gary Harris is uh, off the charts now. He's one of the best guards in the league. 
it's going to be exciting. I mean, they're all, I'll tell you, you know, they all seem like they're ready to have career years. Yes. You know, coming into it. So. And then their bigs are good. They got, they got the unicorn. I like that name. I like it. Uh, <laughs> and Millsap is tough. He brings everything they need. He's going to play defense. He rebounds and he's a good scorer. Uh, and then don't forget you got Danimo. He's a little displeased with his minutes, but that's good too. He's got the chip, and right. he's been playing a hell of a lot better lately. Yeah, yep. you got my man Plumley. It's a, it's it's an exciting team. I mean, you know, they remind me in some ways of the the next team we're going to talk about, the Wolves. You know, the Wolves missed the playoffs every year since '04. Last year, we talked over and over about how, oh, this could be a 50-win team. They could at least be like a 40-win team. They ended up as a 31-win team. Um, lots of hype around them. This year, they picked up some key guys. Is this the year they make the postseason? Is this the year they they come to fruition where they're trying to be? Well, I think this is the year they make the postseason. Right. Uh, without a doubt. They're just too entirely too much talent not to make, make the postseason. I, I clear if they don't, if they let's put it this way: if they don't make the postseason, there's going to be a lot of, lot of disappointed people, including the owner. Yeah, you got to think. I mean, there's definitely spending. You know, the only thing that worries me about this team, the, obviously, the big name pickup was Jimmy Butler over the summer. I also grabbed some other veterans in Jeff Teague, Taj Gibson, Jamal Crawford. Those guys. They're veterans in the sense that they've played in the league for a number of years, but none of those guys has really been an effective leader of a super winning team. You know, we saw Jimmy always sort of eschewing the spotlight a little bit. Even last year when, you know, uh, D. Wade came in, you know, Ronda was there, they were like, oh, this is Jimmy's team, and look what happened. You know, before that, it was always D. Rose's team. You know, you look at Taj sort of the same way. Jamal Crawford obviously was in a position with the Clippers in particular and never really, you know, he was always the sixth man. Is that enough of a veteran nucleus to support Tibbs? I think it's not only is it enough, it's more than enough. I, I view it a little differently. I remember when Tibbs left the Bulls, I think it affected Jimmy the most. He sort of went into a funk, yeah. for lack of a better better term. He wasn't as excited. He wasn't, uh, and I see all the excitement in that has come back to his game. I've watched a couple of the Wolves games and, you know, just film. Mm-hmm. He's having fun, man. And the other thing he's doing, he's showing the young guys how to do it. And I think a big, and this is just my observation. I, I'm not going to tell you I'm right or wrong. I think I'm right. It's a gut feeling. I think Tibbs had a tough time communicating with those younger kids. They don't like having somebody screaming and yelling at them. And, right. you know, but that's Tibbs' style. Yeah. But I think what Jimmy brings, and it dawned on me, I was watching the game the other day, him and Taj. Now it's not just T- Tibbs doesn't have to walk up and down because they're on the floor walking up and down. Hey, this is what coach wants. This is what you got to do. If you do this, you'll quit yelling at us. Yeah. And yeah. Jimmy's and Taj, too, have brought that, uh, oh, how should I put it? A better communication between the coach and the younger players. I'm not sure the young guys were ready for Tibbs. Tibbs uh, he's old school, you know? Yeah. He, he's there, but, you know, next man up. 
be at the gym two hours early. You won't have those problems. Well, these young bugs, they don't want to hear that. They're playing their music and having a good time. So I think that's going to be huge. Also, Tibbs, you notice he got all his people that were, A, they were used to his style. B, he got along with them. He brought them all. So I think from that standpoint, absolutely, yes, it's going to improve there. I also think a guy like Wiggins can use, can learn from Jimmy. There's no reason they can't can't be successful. No, there's no reason they shouldn't be successful. Their their bench is deep. They're they picked up a lot of pieces. Uh, Jamal Crawford's going to help them immensely. Yeah, yeah. You know. So let's move to one of the other teams you mentioned, obviously in this division, Portland. Um, you know. Had a good year last year. They get to the playoffs, and they're, they're sort of an the hot upset pick was the Blazers, uh, and then Nurkic goes down. He's back. He looks better than ever. The face shield's a good look for him. You know, they've looked really great in, in the preseason. We've talked about all these other teams that potentially can make the playoffs. You, you mentioned you really liked Portland. Let's talk about their ceiling. You know, are they a playoff team? Are they a, you know, 6-7 seed, or is this a squeaker? Oh, you're I mean, I, Portland, I, and I like them, and I like I've liked them for a while. But you know what concerns me the most with Portland? Why I'm a little hesitant? What happens if Lillard goes down? Yeah. Think about that. Yeah, yeah. you talked about you know the the drop in terms of OKC. You know, Minnesota's a little bit deeper uh-huh. probably, but Portland it's it's really the worst. I mean, you're talking about Shabazz Napier. You're talking about obviously Evan Turner can back up CJ, but then it's you know, you got C.J. Wilcox and Pat Connaughton and, and those guys. Like, it's it's not a real super deep team, for sure. No. I mean, the distance between those guys and Dame Lillard is, oh, my goodness. Right, right. It's like YMCA basketball compared to, you know, <laughs> to, to, to so the NBA. With That's that, scary. Keeping that in mind, then, what is the piece they need? I mean, you, you, we've obviously got – this is now the – you know, another year of Lillard and McCollum sort of leading this team. Nurkic is there. He's a he's a good third piece. Is it just oh. depth, or is it? Do they need? You know, what, what we haven't mentioned is anybody in that three four that that um, you know sort of medium wing position that all these other teams. That's really what they've coveted. You know, they're still running with the Moharkless Aminu. You know, um, I know you like Swanigan, Noah Vonley, like those guys. What do they need? What's the what's the thing to get them over I, the hump? They found him. It's Swanigan. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like him. I love him. Yeah. I, I didn't realize he was that good a passer and three-point shooter. Man, yeah. he's he's done an outstanding job. He's also bulky enough where he's good on the boards. If he were a little faster, you know, up and down the floor, he'd be perfect. But, you know, when you're 270, I guess, you know, you're not going to be as fleet of foot. <laughs> <laughs> but but his basketball and I've watched him play at Purdue for the last three years. He's improved immensely over last year, as far as his passing skills and his three point shooting. He fits in beautifully with them. The games I've watched, when he has a big game, they win by twenty, mm-hmm. and I think that's how it's going to be all season. And he's the he's the missing piece. If they don't have any injuries, I think they'll be challenging anybody. Yeah. So let's wrap up the division. Let's let's talk a little bit about Utah. Obviously, huge loss in terms of Gordon Hayward. Uh, they also lost Jeff Teague. I mean, uh, any shot for them in terms of a playoff spot, having lost those guys, you know, they, they brought back all the pieces they could. They have a, a well, 
I, there's a couple of guys on that team dear to my heart, you know. And sure. They are one thing about them, and don't count them out. Same reason I sort of like the Bulls. It's it's what basketball is evolving into. Uh, they'll have the big center being the rim protector and can shoot free throws and do all that. And they're sort of evolving into playing uh, four wings. Okay? And they do have those guys capable of playing. They do. Let's talk for a moment about Ricky Rubio. You know, with Dante Exum's injury... We're, he's got to have a, a big season for Utah to succeed here. Um, he looked great at Eurobasket this summer. I know you watched a lot of that. Do you think he can continue that form coming into the NBA season? I, I think he can. I think he can. And uh, and what I mean by that, he seems to have matured. He's not, he, before he used to joke around and be a pep guy, rah-rah guy. He's all business now. He's matured. He's all business. I think he'll be good for him. Yeah. I, th- I, I think they made a good pickup. Uh, my only fear is that I don't know they got they lost a lot with the wing in uh, they, they got the power forward they got the four slot covered they got three or four guys that can play the four I don't see it there I also th- Rubio's going to have to mesh they're going to have to have chemistry I can go on and on with them I, I don't see them making the playoffs yeah Uncle Pete, it's been a blast. Welcome back. I'm excited to talk to you as we go through the season. Thanks for joining us. With that, I want to thank everyone for joining us and say that we look forward to being heard tomorrow. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and FeedBurner. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can drop us an email if you want to be a part of the show at nba at sportsfromthebasement.com. Have a great day, everyone.